Section 50 of Ulysses. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Paul Adams. Ulysses by James Joyce. Part 3. The Nostos. Episode 16. Eumaeus. Part 5. So to change the subject, he read about Dignum R.I.P., which, he reflected, was anything but a gay send-off, or a change of address anyway. This morning, Hines put it in, of course, the remains of the late Mr. Patrick Dignum were removed from his residence, number 9 Newbridge Avenue, Sandymount, for interment in Glasnevin. The deceased gentleman was the most popular and genial personality in city life and his demise after a brief illness came as a great shock to citizens of all classes by whom he is deeply regretted the obsequies at which many friends of the deceased were present were carried out certainly hines wrote it with a nudge from corney by messrs h j o'neill and son one six four north strand road the mourners included patrick dignam son bernard corrigan brother-in-law john henry menton Soller, Martin Cunningham, John Power, Eton for one-eighth Adorador Duradora, must be where he called Monks the Day-Father about Key's ad, Thomas Kernan, Simon Dedalus, Stephen Dedalus, B. Four, Edward J. Lambert, Cornelius T. Kelleher, Joseph M. C. Hines, L. Boom, C. P. McCoy, M. Intosh, and several others. Nettled not a little by L. Boom, as it incorrectly stated, and the line of bitched type but tickled to death simultaneously by C. P. McCoy and Stephen Didalus, B.A., who were conspicuous, needless to say, by their total absence, to say nothing of Emintosh. L. Boom pointed it out to his companion, B.A., engaged in stifling another yawn, half-nervousness, not forgetting the usual crop of nonsensical howlers of misprints. "'Is that first epistle to the Hebrews?' he asked, as soon as his bottom jaw would let him in. "'Text open thy mouth and put thy foot in it.' "'It is, really,' Mr. Bloom said, though first he fancied he alluded to the archbishop, till he added about foot and mouth, with which there could be no possible connection, overjoyed to set his mind at rest, and a bit flabbergasted at Miles Crawford's after all managing to. "'There!' while the other was reading it on page two boom to give him for the nonce his new misnomer whiled away a few odd leisure moments in fits and starts with the account of the third event at ascot on page three his side value one thousand sovereigns with three thousand sovereigns in specie added for entire colts and fillies mr f alexander's throwaway b h by right away five years nine stone four pounds w lane one lord howard de warden's zinfandel m cannon z mr w bass's sceptre three betting five to four on zinfandel twenty to one throwaway off sceptre a shade heavier five to four on zinfandel twenty to one throwaway off throwaway and zinfandel stood close order it was anybody's race then the rank outsider drew to the fore got long lead beating lord howard's the warden's chestnut colt and mr w bass's bay filly sceptre on a two and a half mile course 
Winner trained by Braham, so that Lenehan's version of the business was all pure bunkum. Secured the verdict cleverly by length, one thousand sovereigns with three thousand in specie. Also ran, J. de Bremont's French horse Bantam Lyons was anxiously inquiring after not in yet, but expected any minute. Maxim two. Different ways of bringing off a coup, love-making damages. Though that half-baked Lyons ran off at a tangent in his impetuosity to get left. Of course, gambling eminently lent itself to that sort of thing, though as the event turned out, the poor fool hadn't much reason to congratulate himself on his pick, the forlorn hope. Guesswork it reduced itself to eventually. There was every indication they would arrive at that, he, Bloom, said. Who? The other, whose hand, by the way, was hurt, said. One morning you would open the paper, the cabman affirmed, and read, Return of Parnell. He bet them what they liked. A Dublin fusilier was in that shelter one night and said he saw him in South Africa. Pride it was killed him. He ought to have done away with himself or lain low for a time after committee room number 15 until he was his old self again with no one to point a finger at him. Then he would all to a man have gone down on their marrow bones to him to come back when he had recovered his senses. Dead he wasn't. Simply absconded somewhere. The coffin they brought over was full of stones. He changed his name to De Wet, the Boer General. He made a mistake to fight the priests, and so forth and so on. All the time Bloom, properly so dubbed, was rather surprised at their memories, for in nine cases out of ten it was a case of tar-barrels, and not singly, but in their thousands, and then complete oblivion, because it was twenty-odd years. Highly unlikely, of course, there was even a shadow of truth in the stones, and, even supposing, he thought a return highly inadvisable, all things considered. Something evidently riled them in his death. Either he petered out too tamely of acute pneumonia, just when his various different political arrangements were nearing completion, or whether it transpired he owed his death to his having neglected to change his boots and clothes, after a wetting when a cold resulted, and failing to consult a specialist, he being confined to his room till he eventually died of it, amid widespread regret, before a fortnight was at an end, or quite possibly they were distressed to find the job was taken out of their hands. Of course, nobody being acquainted with his movements even before there was absolutely no clue as to his whereabouts, which were decidedly of the Alice, where art thou order, even prior to his starting to go under several aliases, such as Fox and Stuart. So the remark which emanated from friend Cabby might be within the bounds of possibility naturally then it would prey on his mind as a born leader of men which undoubtedly he was and a commanding figure a six-footer or at any rate five feet ten or eleven in his stockinged feet whereas messrs so-and-so who though they weren't even a patch on the former man roared the roost after their redeeming features were very few and far between it certainly pointed a moral the idol with feet of clay and then seventy-two of his trusty henchmen rounding on him with mutual mud-slinging and the identical same with murderers you had to come back that haunting sense kind of drew you to show the understudy in the title role how to 
he saw him once on the auspicious occasion when they broke up the type in the insuppressible or was it united ireland a privilege he keenly appreciated and in point of fact handed him his silk hat when it was knocked off and he said thank you excited as he undoubtedly was under his frigid exterior notwithstanding the little misadventure mentioned between the cup and the lip what's bred in the bone still as regards return you were a lucky dog if they didn't set the terrier at you directly you got back then a lot of shilly-shally usually followed tom for and dick and harry against and then number one you came up against the man in possession and had to produce your credentials like the claimant in the tichborne case roger charles tichborne bella was the boat's name to the best of his recollection he the heir went down in as the evidence went to show and there was a tattoo mark too in indian ink lord bellew was it as he might very easily have picked up the details from some pal on board ship and then when got up to tally with the description given introduce himself with excuse me my name is so-and-so or some such commonplace remark a more prudent course as bloom said to the not over effusive in fact like the distinguished personage under discussion beside him would have been to sound the lie of the land first that bitch that english whore did for him the she-beam proprietor commented she put the first nail in his coffin fine lump of a woman all the same the swad-distant town-clerk Henry Campbell remarked, and plenty of her. she loosened many a man's thighs. I seen her picture in a barber's. The husband was a captain or an officer. I, skinned the goat, amusingly added. He was, and a cotton-ball one. This gratuitous contribution of a humorous character occasioned a fair amount of laughter among his entourage. As regards Bloom, he, without the faintest suspicion of a smile, merely gazed in the direction of the door, and reflected upon the historic story which had aroused extraordinary interest at the time when the facts, to make matters worse, were made public, with the usual affectionate letters that passed between them full of sweet nothings. First it was strictly platonic, till nature intervened, and an attachment sprang up between them till bit by bit matters came to a climax and the matter became the talk of the town till the staggering blow came as a welcome intelligence to not a few evil disposed however who were resolved upon encompassing his downfall though the thing was public property all along though not to anything like the sensational extent that it subsequently blossomed into since their names were coupled though since he was her declared favourite where was the particular necessity to proclaim it to the rank and file from the housetops the fact namely that he had shared her bedroom which came out in the witness-box on oath when a thrill went through the packed court literally electrifying everybody in the shape of witnesses swearing to having witnessed him on such and such a particular date in the act of scrambling out of an upstairs apartment with the assistance of a ladder in night apparel having gained admittance in the same fashion a fact the weeklies addicted to the lubric a little simply coined shoals of money out of 
whereas the simple fact of the case was it was simply a case of the husband not being up to the scratch with nothing in common between them beyond the name and then a real man arriving on the scene strong to the verge of weakness falling a victim to her sire and charms and forgetting home ties the usual sequel to bask in the loved one's smiles the eternal question of the life connubial needless to say cropped up can real love supposing there happens to be another chap in the case exist between married folk poser though it was no concern of theirs absolutely if he regarded her with affection carried away by a wave of folly a magnificent specimen of manhood he was truly augmented obviously by gifts of a high order as compared with the other military supernumerary that is who is just the usual everyday farewell my gallant captain kind of an individual in the light dragoons the eighteenth hussars to be accurate and inflammable doubtless the fallen leader that is not the other in his own peculiar way which she of course a woman quickly perceived as highly likely to carve his way to fame which he almost bid fair to do till the priests and ministers of the gospel as a whole his erstwhile staunch adherents and his beloved evicted tenants for whom he had done yeoman service in the rural parts of the country by taking up the cuddles on their behalf in a way that exceeds the most sanguine expectations very effectually cooked his matrimonial goose thereby heaping coals of fire on his head much in the same way as the fabled ass's kick looking back now in a retrospective kind of arrangement all seemed a kind of dream and then coming back was the worst thing you ever did because it went without saying you would feel out of place as things always moved with the times why as he reflected irish town strand a locality he had not been in for quite a number of years looked different somehow since as it happened he went to reside on the north side north or south however it was just the well-known case of hot passion pure and simple upsetting the apple-cart with a vengeance and just bore out the very thing he was saying as she also was spanish or half so types that wouldn't do things by halves passionate abandon of the south casting every shred of decency to the winds just bears out what i was saying he with glowing bosom said to stephen about blood and the sun and if i don't greatly mistake she was spanish too the king of spain's daughter stephen answered adding something or other rather muddled about farewell and adieu to you spanish onions and the first land called the dead man and from ramhead to silly was so and so many was she bloom ejaculated surprised though not astonished by any means i never heard that rumour before possible especially there it was as she lived there so spain carefully avoiding a book in his pocket sweets of which reminded him by the by of that cap one street library book out of date he took out his pocket-book and turning over the various contents it contained rapidly finally he do you consider by the by he said thoughtfully selecting a faded photo which he laid on the table that a spanish type stephen 
obviously addressed, looked down on the photo, showing a large-sized lady with her fleshy charms on evidence in an open fashion, as she was in the full bloom of womanhood, in evening dress cut ostentatiously low for the occasion, to give a liberal display of bosom, with more than vision of breasts, her full lips parted, and some perfect teeth standing near, ostensibly with gravity, a piano, on the rest of which was, in old Madrid, a ballad, pretty in its way, which was then all the vogue. Her, the lady's eyes, dark, large, looked at Stephen, about to smile about something to be admired. Lafayette of Westmoreland Street, Dublin's premier photographic artist, being responsible for the aesthetic execution. "'Mrs. Bloom, my wife, the prima donna Madame Marion Tweedy,' Bloom indicated. "'Taken a few years since, in or about ninety-six. Very like her, then.' Beside the young man he looked also at the photo of the lady, now his fourteen-forty legal wife, who, he intimated, was the accomplished daughter of Major Brian Tweedy, and displayed at an early age remarkable proficiency as a singer, having even made her bow to the public when her years numbered barely sweet sixteen as for the face it was a speaking likeness in expression but it did not do justice to her figure which came in for a lot of notice usually and which did not come out to the best advantage in that get-up she could without difficulty he said have posed for the ensemble not to dwell on certain opulent curves of the he dwelt being a bit of an artist in his spare time on the female form in general developmentally because as it so happened no later than that afternoon he had seen those grecian statues fourteen fifty perfectly developed as works of art in the national museum marble could give the original shoulders back all the symmetry all the rest yes puritanism it does though st joseph's sovereign thievery alors bonde fine trois trois whereas no photo could because it simply wasn't art in a word the spirit moving him he would much have liked to follow jack tar's good example and leave the likeness there for a very few minutes to speak for itself on the plea he so that the other could drink in the beauty for himself her stage presence being frankly a treat in itself which the camera could not at all do justice to but it was scarcely professional etiquette so though it was a warm pleasant sort of a night now yet wonderfully cool for the season considering for sunshine after storm and he did feel a kind of need there and then to follow suit like a kind of inward voice and satisfy a possible need by moving emotion nevertheless he sat tight just viewing the slightly soiled photo creased by opulent curves none the worse for wear however and looked away thoughtfully with the intention of not further increasing the other's possible embarrassment while gauging her symmetry of heaving en bon point in fact the slight soiling was only an added charm like the case of linen slightly soiled good as new much better in fact with the starch out suppose she was gone when he i looked for the lamp which she told me came into his mind but merely as a passing fancy of his because he then recollected the morning littered bed etc and the book about ruby with met him pike hoses in it 
which must have fell down sufficiently appropriately beside the domestic chamber-pot with apologies to lindley murray the vicinity of the young man he certainly relished educated distangway and impulsive into the bargain far and away the pick of the bunch though you wouldn't think he had it in him yet you would besides he said the picture was handsome which say what you like it was though at the moment she was distinctly stouter and why not an awful lot of make-believe went on about that sort of thing involving a lifelong slur with the usual splash-page of gutter-press about the same old matrimonial tangle alleging misconduct with professional golfer or the newest stage favourite instead of being honest and above board about the whole business how they were fated to meet and an attachment sprang up between the two so that their names were coupled in the public eye was told in court with letters containing the habitual mushy and compromising expressions leaving no loophole to show that they openly cohabited two or three times a week at some well-known seaside hotel and relations when the thing ran its normal course became in due course intimate then the decree nisi and the king's proctor tries to show cause why and he failing to quash it nisi was made absolute but as for that the two misdemeanants wrapped up as they largely were in one another could safely afford to ignore it as they very largely did till the matter was put in the hands of a solicitor who filed a petition for the party wronged in due course he b enjoyed the distinction of being close to erin's uncrowned king in the flesh when the thing occurred on the historic fracas when the fallen leaders who notoriously stuck to his guns to the last drop even when clothed in the mantle of adultery leaders trusty henchmen to the number of ten or a dozen or possibly even more than that penetrated into the printing works of the insuppressible or no it was united ireland a by no means by the by appropriate appellative and broke up the typecases with hammers or something like that all on account of some scurrilous effusions from the facile pens of the o'brienite scribes at the usual mud-slinging occupation reflecting on the erstwhile tribune's private morals though palpably a radically altered man he was still a commanding figure though carelessly garbed as usual with that look of settled purpose which went a long way with the shilly shallyers till they discovered to their vast discomfiture that their idol had feet of clay after placing him upon a pedestal which she however was the first to perceive as those were particularly hot times in the general hullabaloo bloom sustained a minor injury from a nasty prod of some chap's elbow in the crowd that of course congregated lodging some place about the pit of the stomach fortunately not of a grave character his hat parnell's a silk one was inadvertently knocked off and as a matter of strict history bloom was the man who picked it up in the crush after witnessing the occurrence meaning to return it to him and return it to him he did with the utmost celerity 
who, panting and hatless, and whose thoughts were miles away from his hat at the time, all the same being a gentleman born with a stake in the country, he, as a matter of fact, having gone into it more for the kudos of the thing than anything else, watched bred in the bone instilled into him in infancy at his mother's knee, in the shape of knowing what good form was, came out at once because he turned round to the donor and thanked him with perfect aplomb, saying, "'Thank you, sir.' now in a very different tone of voice from the ornament of the legal profession whose headgear bloom also set to rights earlier in the course of the day history repeating itself with a difference after the burial of a mutual friend when they had left him alone in his glory after the grim task of having committed his remains to the grave on the other hand what incensed him more inwardly was the blatant jokes of the cabman and so on who passed it all off as a jest laughing fifteen thirty immoderately pretending to understand everything the why and the wherefore and in reality not knowing their own minds it being a case for the two parties themselves unless it ensued that the legitimate husband happened to be a party to it owing to some anonymous letter from the usual boy jones who happened to come across them at the crucial moment in a loving position locked in one another's arms drawing attention to their illicit proceedings and leading up to a domestic rumpus and the erring fair one begging forgiveness of her lord and master upon her knees and promising to sever the connection and not receive his visits any more if only the aggrieved husband would overlook the matter and let bygones be bygones with tears in her eyes though possibly with her tongue in her fair cheek at the same time as quite possibly there were several others he personally being of a sceptical bias believed and didn't make the smallest bones about saying so either that man or men in the plural were always hanging around on the waiting list about a lady even supposing she was the best wife in the world and they got on fairly well together for the sake of argument when neglecting her duties she chose to be tired of wedded life and was on for little flutter impolite debauchery to press their attentions on her with improper intent the upshot being that her affections centred on another the cause of many liaisons between still attractive married women getting on for fair and forty and younger men no doubt as several famous cases of feminine infatuation proved up to the hilt end of section fifty recording by paul adams www.yawnguy.com